Well, today we're going to be doing a, you probably noticed the chairs, we've got a take five going on. And so I want to invite you guys, if you are a part of the take five, go ahead and come on up. I'll introduce them here in just a second. And some of you guys may be saying, like maybe thinking, did Pastor Sean just want a week off from preaching this week? Is that why we do these type of things? And the, the truth is, it actually takes quite a bit of my time to pray about who's, who's to speak, to, uh, I, I talk a lot with different people about, you know, as they're kind of wrestling with their topics at times, and we kind of talk through a lot of things. It takes a considerable amount of my time, even I pray about the order they're to speak in. And what I really want to communicate to you guys is that this is a value of Journey Church. And the value is that it's not just about one guy or one person's voice. The value is that we believe that there are things that God speaks to the body, to the group of believers that needs to be, he speaks to you and he wants to speak through you. And so as a result of that, we want to give space. We, we want to cultivate more and more an atmosphere of discipleship and of giving opportunity for God to speak and to grow through people. And so that's why we're going to do this more and more often is because I believe that God has something to say, not just to a few uh, people who are on stage all the time, but he has something to speak uh, through you many times. And I'm telling you, I was here last night, and you will find out that he does have some things to speak. And so let me just introduce our take five. We got Rolanda Peterson. Give her a big hand. You may not know her, but, and keep the applause going because we got Josh Barnett. Keep it going. Analia Morrow, Michael Heitzman, Steven Spear. And they are going to share some things on their heart, and they're going to do it tag team style. So let me just pray, and then we'll get going. Lord, we just invite your presence into this place. We say we have ears to hear. I pray that every person here would have an attentive heart, an anticipation of faith of what you are going to speak to them. As there are many different seeds that are going to be planted in this morning service, God, I pray that you would have good soil, that we would have good soil prepared and that you would plant the seed in good soil so that it could produce a harvest in our lives. And we just say that by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Rolanda, kick us off. Good morning, Journey Church. Whew. Could y'all feel the spirit in here this morning? I was like, oh my gosh, okay. Well, it's awesome to be here. Um, I know some of you are probably like, do they still go here? Because, I mean, COVID took us out for a minute. We were at home a lot. I was like, okay, we need to get up and go to church, guys. We're just sitting on the couch looking at all those people worshiping. We need to get up. Uh, Samuel Rutherford was a Scottish Presbyterian pastor and theologian that said, faith grows best in winter. And I agree with that. Um, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about one of my struggles um, that I had as an adult. And it's, you know, just an ongoing process, but God is so good. And I haven't shared it with a lot of people. And so um, when I talk with Pastor Sean about it, he's like, yeah, I think that, you know, that would be okay. And I think that would help some people. So that's why I'm sharing it, because I hope it'll encourage you or somebody help you encourage somebody that you, that has gone through it. Um, just a real quick background about like my background and why this is such a big deal to me. Um, I was, my parents were divorced and so, you know, it's not that uncommon of a story, but um, I lived mostly with my mom who was a single mom in um, big city Southwest and 
we lived in poorer neighborhoods, and I was a part of, like, the bus ministry, so there's a big fundamental Baptist church that would come and get all the little kids on the hood, and we'd get on the bus, and we'd get ice cream and do all kinds of fun stuff on the way home, and so my mom, you know, I don't think she was really concerned about me getting a fundamental Baptist education as much as she wanted me to, wanted to sleep in. Um, bless her heart. Um, but anyway, she was kind of more agnostic. My dad was Christian, but I was really only with him in the summers, and... Um, it was just, it was, it was a good time, but it was a hard time because I kind of didn't know who I was sometimes. I was like, okay, you know, especially when adolescence hit, it was like, okay, I go to my dad's, we go to camp, we go to my mom's, and I live on the streets with my friends. And so um, times were, like, interesting. I got in a lot of trouble by the time I was in eighth grade. I already had troubles with the law. I got into all the things I don't want to glamorize, but, you know, the, the stuff, you know, I had a lot of friends that died or went to prison, seriously. I know I kind of look like, you know, the female Mrs. Rogers or whatever up here, but it was, it was kind of wild. I'm, I'm really, really thankful that God took me out of that situation. Um, by the time I was 19, he delivered me from a really volatile relationship. I had a little, little baby, and I felt like we escaped that, like, just God pulled us out of that. It was a very scary time. And um, God just continued to do miracles in my life. You know, I went to my dad's in Atlanta. He brought us there and got my own place and um, became a nurse. I went to college, uh, moved out here and, you know, met my husband, which was a miracle in and of itself. He's so great. And, um, ended up having a, a couple more kids, and I got to homeschool, which was, which was really cool, considering I had only finished the ninth grade. So, I mean, they're okay, everybody. You, got, you know them, right? I think they're all right. And we're going to get them tested pretty soon. But <laughs> Anyway, Whew. so, um, you know, God has just been so good. I remember one time, like, homeschooling them and, like, making, I uh, had a garden, like, that was just the biggest dream of my life, to, like, have a family, have a garden, and, like, maybe homeschool, because I had nannied for a lady when I was in nursing school that did it, and it was so cool, and I just remember standing at my stove, like, crying, and my daughter's like, what's wrong, Mom? And I was like, this is just all I've ever wanted. I was, like, making jam, and, you know, I'm not kidding, like, canning it, and I never did it again. I'm just, like, a one-and-done person. I'm like, check, okay. Yes, we did that. What's next? But, yeah, so... Um, just so cool. And um, when one summer I, I went to my sister's church, and I don't think it was her church. I don't think it was that. I think it was probably Twitter, you know, just being on things, reading stuff. You know, thank goodness I've gotten off Twitter. But um, I just had this thing come over me that I was like, what, what do you believe? Why do you believe that? And I was like, where's that coming from? Because Jesus was like my everything. He had literally rescued me. I felt like my paths were made level. Like, he did so much for me. Like, Jesus was my everything. I wasn't perfect. I had a lot of things to work on. I still do, right? We all do. But, but, but there was one thing I could never, ever argue with anybody or I could argue with you about. Like, Jesus was the reason for everything in my life. So when disillusion set in and when I started getting these doubting questions, like, what do you mean, why do you believe? Like, talking with myself, like... And it just kept going. And it, I remember it hit me so hard that day that I just like, I literally went home and just started weeping because I was like, I can't, I don't understand this. Like, this is my identity. God is my identity. He's everything to me. 
And it just kept going. It was about a five-year or so process. You know, I can't tell you exactly how long it was, but it was a long time. And I didn't tell anybody because, for me, it felt like, you know, that's not something that you, you run and tell everybody at church. Hey, guys, I'm, I'm doubting all of this, you know. Um, I'm, I just couldn't do that. It was hard. I felt ashamed. Um, but one thing I did do is I kept coming to church, um, and I kept praying, even though my prayers were just like, God, help me. And that was literally my prayer. It was such a quiet season um, at that time. And so a couple things that I did um, during this time is I read a lot. I read about the history of Christianity, the theories of atonement. Um, I read about great Christian heroes and, and people like Lopez Lemong. I don't know if you guys have read his story, Running for My Life. He was like a Sudanese uh, little boy kidnapped from church to be a child soldier, and the miraculous way God took him out of that and and, and what he did in his life, and um, Rifka Berry, who was like a Muslim teenager here in America who risked everything for Christ. Um, they, she had such a, a great story. And uh, Seven Women and the Secret of Their Greatness, I read that book, which was, I just really tried to surround myself with belief. Um, but one thing that really hit me when I was like always researching, which is something that I really try not to do a whole lot anymore about anything, because I feel like that's the time where we just research everything. But I found a quote um, from, it wasn't a quote, but it was a plaque that Carl Jung, the father of analytical uh, psychiatry, he put it above his door, and he had really strong Christian roots. He was supposed to go into the clergy and ended up becoming a psychiatrist, and so he had deep roots. There's questions about what he believed, but one thing that he put above his door, it was a Latin um, phrase that said, vocatus atqui, non vocatus deus aderit, which means called or not called, God is present. And that really just sat with me because I remember thinking, it doesn't matter, or hearing, like it doesn't matter if you don't believe, I'm here, and I won't leave, and I'll always be here. And so I just kind of clung to that. And then I also told, finally broke down and told my small group what was going on. Um, and I just was like, I just got to tell you guys something. I just need prayer. And it was like that, that letting go um, of that secret um, that will means to destroy you. And so when you tell the people of God what you're struggling with, they're going to come in and lift you up. And their love reinforced my knowledge of Christ's love for me, and it freed me from my own shame. Um, so I didn't have a timeline. I just wanted to trust that he was there. Um, I just walked along. Um, Annie Dwyer, she has a poem called Exodus, and she says, I surround myself with belief the way blind surround themselves with those who can see. Um, and then uh, another quote from Peter Ennis, he said, being saved is an ongoing process of growth, transformation, dying and rising, of being conformed to the image of God. Doubt is divine tough love. God means to have all of us, not just the surface, church-going, volunteer part, but the parts so buried, no one sees them, not even us. And, and that was true. God was revealing some things to me that I didn't even know were there. Um, Philip Yancey is a great uh, Christian journalist. He also struggled with some doubt in his early years. And he has a, a, a little quote here that says, I've yet to find a single argument against God from new atheists like Sam Harris, Richard Dawkins, that is not included in the Bible. In books like Lamentations, Psalms, Job, Habakkuk, and Ecclesiastes, I respect a God who not only acknowledges our doubts, 
but also gives us the words to express them. And, and that, that comforted me. And there's been so much in the Bible that did comfort me. Um, you know, there's lots more that I could tell you about this. It was such a precious journey. But God made it come full circle. And I don't obsess about little details anymore. I try not to. Um, I just know who God is. I know that he sent his son to die for me. I know that he is there. I know who I believe in. And I know that he has me and he has my back every second of the day. But I do know that we have to guard ourselves and protect ourselves, you know, because um, that we live in a time where, you know, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, right? He wants to take it all away. Um, so just a really quick story about kind of the end of this for me. I was a couple years later, and I felt like I was praying again. I felt like God was with me, and we went camping. Um, and I remember my husband was driving um, to this camp. We were meeting my son's Boy Scout troop, and it was really, really, like, deep and dark in, like, the woods of Missouri. Like, I don't even know where we were. I don't remember. But I just remember going, this is really far out here, and we're on this gravel road, and we've been on this gravel road for a minute. Like, this is a long time. And it just kind of freaked me out a little bit, because I'm like, we're so far away from everything. We got in there. We can't. Got our stuff set up. Everybody ate dinner. We went to to sleep. <clears throat> and so, in the middle of the night, I woke up, and I was like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. You know, and you're camping, you're like, oh, no, and you just try to go back to sleep. And I was like, mm-mm, you got to go. Uh, so <clears throat> I got up, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take my dog with me. We're going to go walk all the way over there in the scary darkness of this, this isolated place. And so, you know, I'm just having to get my courage up, and I end up the tent, and we go, and we're, we're walking out, and it's like, you know, quiet. I'm trying to be quiet. And all of a sudden, I look up. <clears throat> and there wasn't a cloud in the sky, and it was like just this amazing, I mean, I've seen the sky before, you know, I've seen, you know, we've all seen like planetariums, or we've been to the planetarium, we've all seen a beautiful night sky, but this was different, this was so amazing, and it was just like, I, my breath was taken away, I was just like, oh, and I just, I was like, I kind of forgot I had to use the bathroom for a minute. And I was just, I just raised my hands and I was just praising God. And I was just like, whoa, I can't even believe this. This is just, this is just a moment, you know. I was just having a moment. And so I walked to the restroom and I'm just praising the Lord. And I went to the bathroom and I'm like walking home and I'm walking back to the tent. And I'm like praising God. And I just felt like God was just like, I got you, you know, just, I've got you. And and it just felt so good. It felt so amazing. And I'm using that word over and over, amazing. But it was, it was good. And I sat out there for probably like an hour staring at the sky. And finally, I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to go, go back to sleep because I'm going to have to use the bathroom again soon. And I like said goodnight to the Lord. And I said, thank you. And I just, I really thank you so much for this moment. You know, I know you're with me. I know you're here. And my dog and I got him in there and at the tent and I got in and I was like, okay, I'm just going to look out one more time. And I just put my head out and in slow motion, this big falling star right there in front of my eyes. And it was like, oh my gosh, that was for me. I know you did that for me, God. I know you did because I've been looking at this guy for an hour and nothing like that happened. And just, and he's showing off, you know? Uh, so I say all these things to say that like 
I just, if you're struggling or you know anybody struggling, like, we have no need to wonder. We have no need to wonder. And Samuel Rutherford said, faith grows best in winter, but God never forgets the spring. Amen. Good morning. Uh, today I'm going to talk about something that God's been working on me with personally that I feel like he, I'm confident he asked me to share for some reason. Either somebody else is struggling with this or perhaps it's a very public confession. That's possible. <laughs> Either way, we're going to go for it. Um, so a couple weeks back, actually about a month and a half, August 27th, during worship, the band was playing the song, Look to the Lamb. And sometimes during uh, worship, and it doesn't happen often, but like an image or a, a picture will pop in my head, and I feel like it's a way that God's trying to tell me something. So as we were singing, there were specific lyrics that uh, really stood out to me. And they were around a, a picture of Jesus with love and fire in his eyes. And those lyrics, what it says is, Look to the Lamb, see the one who is forever glorified. There is love and there is fire in his eyes. And then later it says, eyes like fire, hair like wool, voice like many waters roar. So as we were singing those, this picture came in my head of Jesus with white hair, uh, fire in his eyes, and I couldn't, I couldn't shake it. It was really strong, stronger than uh, typically when this happens. So during the song, during the sermon, even for weeks after, uh, this was still in my head, but I didn't know why. And I knew there was something he was trying to talk to me about. Um, so as I was praying about what to speak on, clarity came on it. But first, uh, what I did was I, I started researching scriptures that had this picture of Jesus with fire in his eyes. And the only ones I found uh, were in Revelations 1.14, 2.18, and 19.12. And to be frank, my first thought was, God, I've never spoken in front of a church in my life, and Pastor Sean has trusted me to get up here with a mic. Surely Revelations doesn't have anything to do with what I'm supposed to talk about. <laughs> but again, clarity came. So these letters were written to the various churches, uh, many to address specific areas they need to repent and turn from. But what I believe God was telling me is that this picture of eyes, uh, love and fire in the eyes, has to do with his passion to see people repent and come to Jesus. So as I prayed, God began to challenge me pretty personally on something. And he said, you know, Josh, do you have fire and love in your eyes to see the unsaved come to Jesus? That was a tough question. My first response was pretty defensive because I genuinely did care about that. I mean, if you would ask me, I could be honest with you and tell you I do care about that. That is in my heart. But I think he was challenged me again and said, I didn't ask if you care about it. I asked if you had fire in your eyes for it. As I mentioned, that was tough. There was no condemnation in it. I didn't uh, feel that at all. That's why I believe it was God. But there was a, I did feel a sadness as I thought, maybe my heart's not where it's supposed to be on this. I thought about family members, friends, coworkers, people that I come in contact with that I know aren't saved. 
and what that means for them. I mean, we all know what Jesus has done for us in our lives, so in this life and eternity. A day or two later, I was reminded of a story that my parents tell. Um, I hadn't thought about it in 15 or 20 years, but I grew up in a Christian home and was saved at 11. And I had a really good friend down the street named Sam, one of my best friends. And we'd play all the time. I'd ride my bike down the street to his house. Well, I didn't know if Sam was a Christian or not. So either the day I got saved or the day after, I rode my bike down to Sam's house and essentially cornered him in a room, uh, preached to him, I guess. But I wasn't letting him leave the room, even to go to his parents, until I heard him pray and accept Jesus. It had bothered me so much not knowing whether Sam was going to heaven or hell that I, I couldn't, that's the only thing I knew how to do at 11 years old. Now, my method was terrible, so don't do that. You shouldn't kidnap people or hold them hostage. But my heart, my heart was in the right spot. And I believe God was asking me, what happened to that? How did you go from the point where you were willing to hold someone hostage which is probably wrong, to caring about it but not having that fire. So the reason I share all that is because I, I believe God, God is calling not only me but us to have that fire for those that, that don't know him. So the question I would ask is, you know, think about it this week, pray on it. Do you have that fire in your eyes, that maybe an ache in your heart? Or do you find yourself in a similar spot to me where you genuinely care about it, you genuinely want people to be saved, but maybe that fire has faded for whatever reason? So since then, God's been showing me ways to, or the things that I think I need to do to prepare my heart to get that back. Ultimately, I believe only God can put that fire back in us or for the first time, or maybe you already have it. But I think there's certain things that we need to do to prepare ourselves for that. And I think awareness is the first step. Anytime there's a change that needs to happen, you have to be aware. Second, I think we genuinely have to have that desire. Um, it can't be fake or just something we know we should do because we're Christians. It has to be real. And then third, we must be intentional about making this a part of our daily walk, just meaning it needs to be something that we think about, maybe in our daily prayer. Um, I believe those three ways prepare our heart for God to make that change. So I've been following those steps the last several weeks, and a change is certainly happening. Uh, I haven't tracked down Sam and held him in a room or anything like that. But when I'm having normal conversations with people at work, I do find that my mind goes there and that my heart, if I know they're not saved, there's, there's a pain there thinking about just this life they're going through, but then what eternity looks like. So I think, um, you know, maybe your heart's already where it needs to be on that, and if so, great. But if you find yourself in a similar place, just be open and listening to what God's saying. Uh, Jesus has love and fire in his eyes for those that are lost. And I think he's calling all of us to do the same.
How good was that? Good morning, church. So uh, the word I have is like a compilation of words that I've been getting from the Lord from the end of last year through like the beginning of this year. And the title is Leveling Up. I always need titles. <laughs> so at the end of last year, the, lo- the Lord dropped in my heart the words, it is time to level up. A new season is coming, and it will require a new level of devotion, a new level of fellowship with me, a new level of standing on my word and walking with my spirit. Um, we all experience season changes in life, just like nature. Every season will bring new opportunities, new situations that we have to navigate, and new challenges that we have to overcome. But there is growth and grace in every season when we walk with the Lord and following His Holy Spirit. And in every stage and in every stretch, we can see Him working with us. But we cannot put new wine into old wineskins. So I also felt the Lord referring to the changes that, we were, that were coming in the world, in our society, and in our country, and the church as a whole. I felt him asking us to step up our game, to come up higher with him, that we can, so that we can be successful navigating situations with confidence, with strength, and with power in the days to come. Just as the powerful people that we are, we are to be, and we are called to be by him. Just like Isaiah 55, 8, 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So his, his way is higher than our ways, that's obvious, right? But he's given us the tools to hear from him. And we might, we might not hear the full thing at once, but he will give us steps. We have his word, we have his Holy Spirit, and he gave us his son. What else can we ask for? So later on, at the beginning of this year, he dropped more words in my heart and said, Weird things are coming, but my church will rise up. And he led me to Exodus. I've been studying the book of Exodus the last couple of months. And it just clicked with me that the Egyptians were facing the plagues and the shaking and the famine, but it did not touch Goshen, where the Israelites were. No plague, no famine, no darkness hit them. Even though darkness hit the land of Egypt, there was still light among the Israelites. Just like today, there is chaos in the world. Every day, there is something new coming up. But we have the light in us. We are his church, and we are to bring that light with us. I also, another thing is that every time a plague plague hit, the scriptures say, the Lord made a distinction between his people and the Egyptian. And I believe with all of my heart that the same way he's making a distinction today between his church and the world. So I believe this is a time of shaking for the world, but momentum for his church. The same God that protected and took care of the Israelites then 
is protecting, providing, and taking care of us today. So we need not to fear. So a, a while ago, just like Josh, I had like this vision, worshiping here during, during our time of worship together. And we were all, all like lifting our, our hands and just praising God. And it was so much, there was unity and harmony. And there was like these bubbles surrounding us. I felt like we, the whole auditorium was surrounded by this thick bubble. And as I, as I bowed down, like I just felt the Lord say that as long as we stay focused on him, raising our hands in worship, in harmony and unity together, that this protection will be around us. And I just felt like, can you imagine, like, just think about that. You have a bubble of protection around you so that we can, you can do all that he's calling us to do. You know, like we can just go on and rise up in unity and harmony and be all that he's calling us to be. And last, I, he led me to share this testimony that was pretty private for us. But three months before we got pregnant with our little one, uh, he's one year old now. We had a miscarriage. And it took us by surprise. We were not prepared for that. But there's one thing that I knew. That he who started a good work in me was faithful to finish it. And we stood on the word of God. We spoke it and we believed it. Um, so three months later, we got pregnant with our little Caleb. And it didn't come without a fight. We had to definitely faith up. And we had to speak the word and, be, and pray and be prayed over our child. So we spoke the word over my body and our baby. And just like Isaiah 55, 10, 11 says, For just as rain and snow fall from heaven and do not return there, without saturating the earth and making it germinate and sprout, and providing seed to sow and food to eat. So my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and, it, and will prosper in what I send it to. So the word of God, you guys, is the word of life. And as we saturate ourselves with it, the power that comes from the word, it works in us and through us. So anything we are dealing with, when we go to the word, we speak it over us, and we believe it, and we take it, we own it. And it just comes, it flows, and it cuts through bone and marrow, right? So our little Caleb is one year old, running all over the place now, lifting his hands in worship every time we are playing worship music, and just being a light and a joy all over the place. You guys, God is faithful, and we are so thankful. So in closing, I just, just like Pastor Sean said a couple of weeks ago, I just believe that surface-level surface Christianity will not cut it in the days to come, and that it is time for us to level up in devotion and fellowship with him, to rise up to the calling that he has for us in unity and harmony, to faith up, standing on his word and his promises more than ever before so that we can go from powerless people to powerful people in every area of our lives. There is no area in our lives that God should not be, like, 
putting his power on if we have the word in us. God wants his people powerful and walking in victory. The power is in his word, his spirit, and fellowship with him and others. Thank you. Such good stuff. Well, when Sean asked me to do this take five a little while back, I was a little nervous. And it was more because I knew right away what God wanted me to say, um, but I knew how much I was struggling with it, and I was nervous about saying it to you all. But then as I, as I prayed about it and talked about it more, you know, God just spoke to me and said, you know, we're not called just to say the easy things. We're called to say the hard things, too. So I'm going to take you back on this lesson that I'm still working on and learning. Um, started about well, several months ago, back in January of this year. Um, I had the privilege of baptizing my middle child, Nora, eight years old, right over here. And as I was, you know, down here in front of you all, talking to her and asking, you know, are you going to love Jesus? Are you going to follow him all the days of your life? And hearing her say yes, yes, and trying not to get emotional and cry, and, and I just felt God speak to me. And I heard him say, Michael, well done. I'm proud of you, but now you need to start leading her to me. So I'm like, oh, okay, what does this mean? Okay, so I'm finishing doing the baptism, and I go back to my seat, and I start having this conversation with God, and I start talking to him. I'm like, all right, God, were you not right there? Are you not paying attention? I mean, I just baptized my child for you. Uh, I had the privilege of baptizing my older child a few years ago. Um, uh, you know, I think our kids are pretty good. Um, I owe that to their mom, but she's not here, so I'm going to take the credit for it. Um, <laughs> but I was like, God, I, I feel like I'm a pretty good parent. And I don't know if you guys ever talk to God like that, but usually when I do, it's followed up by a very humbling word that he gives me. So, uh, so that's what happened. So God said to me, he goes, Michael, you're leading your kids towards the things they want to do, the things you want them to do, or what you think is best in their life. Well, my first thought was, yeah, we're, uh, I'm the parent. Isn't that my job to, you know, teach them activities, teach them sports, teach them how to be a good person, how to be successful in life, and, and oh, yeah, go to church and follow God, too. So I felt like that was on the right track. And he said, while you're leading, him to the, or while you're leading them to the things of this world, I was supposed to just fall in line. I was supposed to come in when it was convenient. I wasn't the finish line, I wasn't the focus, I wasn't the devotion that you were leading your kids to. He said, I love them so much, do you not think that I want them to be happy? Do you not think that I know what's best for them? I shouldn't be something that happens when it's convenient while you're leading them to things of this earth. I should be the finish line that you're leading them to and let all these other things come alongside. So, being humbled, I was like, okay, all right, God, let's, let's get into this. What does it mean to lead your child to God? Proverbs 22, 6, I'm sure you all know, it says, train up your child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so that sounds easy, right? 
Just train them up, take them to church, train them up, and, and that'll go. But that's both positive and negative things. That's godly things, but also worldly things. So God said to me, he goes, you got to determine which way you're going to lead them. And he goes, if you don't make that decision now, the world is going to make it for you. So I started diving into it more. I was like, okay, what is a biblical leader? Well, a biblical leader is someone that honors and fully submits to God's authority above all else. We were created by God with so much love to show God's love to him and to others. And that's where we should be leading our kids to. So let me, let me take a step back. I'm not saying don't let your kids do sports. I'm not saying don't let your kids do activities, do fun stuff, teach them to be a good person. But you need to really think about what's the finish line you're directing your kids to. And is that focus in the right place? This is something that God's really been working on me and our family with a lot over the past several, several months, actually. And we have, we have had to go and spend time in prayer for certain situations on how we educate our kids, different activities we put them in, that kind of thing, to make sure that not just their focus, but our focus is in the right place. And we've had to communicate and talk to them. And then God started talking to me. He goes, you know what? You need to look at your own devotion, Michael. What examples are you showing your kids? Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with a discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Was I acting in a godly way all the time? No, but I should be. Am I praying with my kids? Am I talking to them? Am I speaking with them? Am I sharing struggles in my life and in that my wife and I are dealing with, that the family's dealing with, and talking to them so, to show them how to handle that in a godly way? That was one thing that my parents were really good at. They would bring me in on conversations and tough things that our family was going through, even younger, so that I could see how to handle that in a godly way. Now, I'm not saying don't have discernment. You got to really pray about it and think what's right to share with your kids. But know this. If you're not the example for your kids, they're going to find it from somewhere else. Okay, so now I know not all of you have kids or your kids are grown or you're going to have kids or something. This doesn't mean you're off the hook because we are all called to be examples and leaders to others, to friends and to strangers. You know, we were loved so much that God sent his son to die on the cross for us. We were created to share that love with others. We have to be willing to lead our kids to do the same. If we're leading our kids to something worldly and fitting God in when it's convenient, then that's not what we were called to do. So I just challenge you to really think about it. Pray about the example you're setting, not just for your kids, but for other people. And really think where you're leading. Thank you. You know, it's so awesome. We didn't get in a room and all compare notes and share general thoughts, but how God 
just starts to assemble everything together is just simply amazing to me. But regardless of where you find yourself this morning, circumstances, situations, I want you to hear something loud and clear. It is impossible for God to be unfaithful. Think about that for a moment. It is impossible for God to be unfaithful. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Steven Spear. My wife, uh, Shelly, and I have been a part of Journey since January 23rd, 2022. We'll come back to that date in just a moment. But I wanted to share a little bit of my backstory with you prior to Journey. I had known only one other church in my entire lifetime. I remember as a young child watching the uh, church building be built by members, including my own family. I grew up being a part of the worship team, playing piano and drums, and then later would even serve as worship leader for 20 plus years. However, in December 2021, Shelley and I felt like our season there was over. For some, Changing churches might not be a big deal, but for me, this was the only church I'd ever known. My grandparents, my parents had all served there. My father served as an elder. In fact, my family and many of our friends are still there, but Shelley and I felt like we were being uprooted and moved. Now come back to January 23rd, 2022, our first service here at Journey. We live in Excelsior Springs and the, uh, the drive from Excelsior was quiet, but it was prayerful. As I entered the building that morning, I began questioning God. No one ever questions God except me, right? I said, God, are you sure this is what we are supposed to be doing? All of my roots are at our previous church. Have you ever had a time where God was speaking to you so directly, one-on-one, just literally reading your mail? So one of the worship songs that morning was, you're never going to let, never going to let me down. Then Pastor Sean ministered on trying to please or trusting to please. And as if that wasn't spot on enough, at the end of the service, Someone had a word they felt needed to be shared. Now, remember when you watch this short video clip, I had just been questioning God at the front door. All of my roots are at my previous church. Let's watch this brief clip. Amen. Just had a word that somebody just needs to hear that no matter what changes, your job, a relationship, your circumstance, your roots are in Jesus. If your roots are in Jesus, Everything's going to be all right, right? Everything's going to be all right. So, so I don't know that I needed a fourth confirmation, um, but I've kept this clip because it was on January 23rd, 2022, during that service that I knew that I knew we were exactly where God wanted us to be. However, there would be times, maybe start to question a little bit. So keeping this memorable moment in time was an important reminder of exactly what God had spoken. 
You see, the enemy will come and try to call into question what God has spoken, what God has done. Somehow, we need to memorialize when God speaks to us so that we can point to it and say, this is what God said. I believe God has given several of you prophecies, visions, direction for your life, and today, he wants to remind you of them. I pray God would rekindle in your heart those things he has spoken to you. I pray Holy Spirit would bring to your remembrance those dreams and those prophecies. And when he does, write them down. Memorialize it. Find a way to remind yourself of when and how God spoke them over you. Teach them to your children and to your grandchildren. Why? So when the enemy comes to begin casting doubt, you can point to it and say, no, God said. In Joshua, we read where after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, and, you know, it's not like men to stop and ask for directions, so 40 years seem like an appropriate time. But wandering in the wilderness, the children of Israel were finally entering into the promised land. God parted the waters of the Jordan River, and they walked over on dry land. And in Joshua 4, 4 through 7, we see this. Then Joshua called the 12 men who he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe, and Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask you in time, in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. I pray this morning that God would rekindle in your heart and remind you of those things. Write it down, or like Joshua did, build an altar to remember it. Maybe not a physical altar, maybe a note on the refrigerator, a journal, something that serves as a tangible reminder to you. And I'll close with this scripture from Philippians 1.6 that's already been mentioned. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Knowing this, I'm absolutely 100% confident it is impossible for God to be unfaithful. Amen. Pastor Sean. Amen. Worship team can come back on up. Can you give these guys a big hand as they leave the stage? I'm so proud of every single one of them. Would you stand up with me? I, I just am, I'm amazed at how God just puts that all together and how there's something there, and I believe that it's something for you. 
something for me. I know that. And so let's just respond by going to God in prayer. God, what are you saying to us today? Lord, what are you speaking to me today? Lord, I pray if anyone's wrestling with with doubt that they would just know your nearness. Lord, I pray that for those of us who've grown complacent, that you'd put that fire back on the inside of us. Those who've been tempted to shrink back, that it there'd be an encouragement to step up in our faith. For those of us who've maybe drifted in our focus, that we'd see you as the finish line once again. Lord, for those of us who may be struggling in something you've asked us to do or called us to do, that we'd be reminded that you know what's best and that you are faithful no matter what. So, Lord, we just thank you for that. Lord, I pray that these seeds would fall on good soil, that they would, these words would be spoken to people who have ears to hear, who are hearers of the word, but also doers of the word. And we thank you for that. And we respond to you in our worship today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.